Hello everyone, welcome to another edition of the Little Egypt Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Todd Hefferman. Multimedia personality. <laughs> and with me today is sports writer Bucky Dent and sports editor Les Winkler. If you guys are not familiar with Les Winkler's many talents, he's also our, our outdoors guy. And so every day I walk my dogs around noon when I'm home, and I see these two huge birds. And I know, I know they're not eagles, because eagles are supposed to be like, like tigers. They like to be by themselves, right? So I don't know if they're hawks or whatever, but they're big enough that I can see them. And they swirl around my neighborhood every day between like 11 and 1, probably looking for some food. If I passed out and I had a heart attack and they mistook me for a deer, would two of them try to carry me away? And then yeah. no one would ever know what happened to me. You sure they're not vultures? You may you may just become a meal. I don't if think you, they're if vultures. You're, if you're laying if you're laying on the ground long enough, Fresh you meat. might just be a meal. Fresh meat. Uh, and we have, <laughs> <laughs> and, and and yes, we have we have several kind of several species of hawks that live in the area. The the largest being red-tailed, which you can tell very much because when they spread their tail feathers, it's a really bright reddish brown. And then the the red-shouldered hawk, which although you can't see their shoulders that much, they have a brownish orangish chest, and they're they're slightly smaller than the, uh, the than the red tail. We also have Cooper's hawks and sharp-shinned hawks, but that's another thing altogether. Do we have vultures? Oh my God, yes, we have. Yeah, uh, don't have, think that hasn't crossed have, my mind. We either. have tur- we have turkey vultures and and uh, and uh, black vultures because we have the vulture fest down in Macanda once right. every year, right? Right, and they were soaring all around. While we were at Vulture Fest, this I think week. I saw well, I think I saw a vulture uh, flying, uh, stopping around Mulkey Town yesterday, uh, having a mid-afternoon snack. Come to think of it, so. Well, I don't let little Dawson walk out in the front yard when those things are out uh, between eleven and one. I no, don't the, worry the, about them. The, the, the hawks, the hawks and eagles could carry. Well, you're not Dawson's a beagle. Mm-hmm. He he's probably safe, but uh, mm-hmm. some of the toy some of the toy breeds have a little to be afraid of. <laughs> Well, uh, we'll move on to uh, Saluki football and high school football and Saluki basketball all going uh, strong right now. Um, Big weekend for uh, all three Saluki teams. Even bigger weekend for high school football. We've got two teams in the semifinals. Uh, Murfreesboro is taking on Effingham on the road Saturday at 2 o'clock, and Nashville is taking on Decatur St. Teresa at 1 o'clock up in Decatur. So... I picked Murphy and I picked Decatur. Uh, who do you think wins this weekend and, and why? I think both Nashville and Murfreesboro will be making travel plans for DeKalb next weekend. I what like Murfreesboro's saying? chances at Effingham. I think Murphy is just a really good, well-rounded team, strong on both sides of the, the scrimmage line with line play, lots of speed in the back seven on defense, speed at running back, lots of balance. I just like the way that team's playing right now. They seem to handle pressure situations really well. I think Nashville is very gifted. You know, really good athletes for a, for a 2A school, just over 400 students. I was impressed with them as far as the eye test goes Saturday when they bounced Pena 41-19 in the 2A quarterfinals. They were definitely the better team, even though they were the lower seed. Murfreesboro, as Bucky alluded to, the, to me the balance is is just the incredible thing. They have six six people, six to eight people, who can run the ball on any given play and really hurt you. They have speed. They got some size, and I I, I think Effingham is very beatable. Effingham did handle Benton 
But uh, you know, I, you get into trouble when you do the comparative scores. But I just look at uh, Effingham struggled to beat uh, Breeze Modern Day um, in the first first game of the year, which is a long time ago, admittedly. Mm-hmm. And um, Modern Day was a, a, a good three A team. So uh, I, I I would think that that Murfreesboro has the weapons and the speed that uh, that they can they can get to the state championship. Uh, uh, and Nashville is explosive. They they have some weapons. Uh, but uh, the the one thing I I just looking over uh, the playoff scores whatever uh, uh, St. Teresa has been putting some serious points on the board in the playoffs they they scored sixty forty uh, they, I think last week was their, their lowest output when they beat Auburn at thirty four to uh, thirty four to six and if I'm not mistaken isn't Auburn in that uh, Sangamo conference Yeah they in fact Auburn knocked out Moroa Forsyth in the second round which was definitely a quality win because Moroa has played for state titles. At least the last couple of years, and and I, I've seen I've seen that Maroa uh, program in action. That, that that's a quality conference. So uh, I I would think that um, of the two, I would think that uh, Murfreesboro has the better chance. Although I I think Nashville is capable as well. And the thing about Nashville is they have been in tight situations so far in the playoffs. Saint Teresa has not, and when you get to a state semifinal, you're usually going to look at a pretty good game. My question is going to be what happens with St. Teresa if and when they get punched in the mouth by Nashville, which Nashville's capable of doing. How will they react to it? Nashville's already had a couple of close games, reacted very well to them, proven to be the better team in the second half of both games. I want to see what happens if we get to that situation there again. And, and, and Murfreesboro, you know, a friend of mine asked me, well, Murfreesboro, are they going to be, are they going to have a letdown after beating uh, the, the team they brought? Bishop uh, was a McNamara. Yes, Bishop McNamara. Last week, you know, I, I don't see that. When you get to this point, you're a high school kid. You can see the state title game, but you know you gotta <laughs> you gotta get there first. And if you think you're good enough, and, they, and I think they're good enough, uh, I think they're gonna be highly motivated. Well, they turned out to be highly motivated last week as well for a reason that had nothing to do with X's and O's, and they were gonna be highly motivated going into that game as it was. Because Bishop McNamara routed them last year in the second round. But then an article in the Kankakee Daily Journal last Thursday came out and basically called Murfreesboro lesser competition and said that they had piled up 40 or more points six times in games against teams that weren't even as good as Bishop McNamara's second team. Murfreesboro coach Gary Carter and his players found out about this Saturday morning at the pregame breakfast before their game. And from what Braden Fogel Mentioned in his article afterwards what he told me after he talked with them. They were highly upset with that, <laughs> with that, with that uh, piece of journalism. Needless to say, and it was, and it brought up a bigger point to me. And I've talked about it with Les a couple of times this week. Uh, the way you cover high school sports as opposed to covering college or professional sports, I think it deserves a broader look. And why I would have a, a difficult time letting those words see the light of day if it were up to me. Well, the, to, to me the. The question here is, you know, who who the target of that is. When you're dealing with high school high school kids, you're talking 15, 16 year old kids a lot of times, yeah. uh, and you know, and, and some of the guys on the okay, you know, let's just say somebody said that about the SIU team. Well, you're you're dealing with adults. I mean, even you know, even the freshmen are 18, 19 years old, and you got some 22, 23 year old people on the team. Those are adults, and uh, you just I, I've always I've always just kind of taken a kid glove approach. To high school kids, they they don't at that point they're playing for fun. They should be playing for fun. Of course, they take it seriously, but you're still dealing with adolescents, 
And to me, that's the difference. Exactly. You just It just hit me all wrong when I read that from that perspective because we're not talking about pro athletes making $10 million a year. We're not talking about college kids who, as you say, are adults and in some cases are basically prepping for their professional career. We're still talking high school kids who, as you say, should be playing the game for the fun of it. They're sure they want to win as much as the next guy, but... You know, if you lose, and yeah, mom's probably still going to take you down to the to the Dairy Queen or the Ponderosa or whatever after the game. You get a meal, you know. And I said Ponderosa because I had a really good Ponderosa meal. I did too. Ago at Vandalia. I did too. I went to Davenport. <laughs> so, we used to go for dinner Sundays. But the the point of the whole whole thing is, I just didn't think those the, the tone of that and the and the words behind it needed to be said in a story regarding a high school team. It just struck me as wrong and demeaning and just never should have come close to seeing the light of day. Well, and, and when I learned about it, I, I just kind of thought it wasn't even fair either. I mean, Murfreesboro didn't play a bunch of 1A schools. They played DuCoin, they played Carbondale, they had to play Heron and Benton. And, and you can see how that kind of and, – and plus they had to deal with uh, the teacher strike. I mean, that's they had to help, mm-hmm. overcome all these obstacles – just to be eligible, and here they are in the semifinals. That's that's great. I, it's it's probably one of we're we're about to vote in the next month on the uh, right. on, on the top stories of 2019, and uh, I, I would think that uh, Murfreesboro's run right now is uh, is is going to be uh, is will be at least in that top ten and maybe the top three or four. Yeah, particularly if they get to DeKalb next Friday night for the state championship, and I do. <laughs> Believe, as I said earlier, I think we will have both Murfreesboro and Nashville going up there next weekend. Well, that would be exciting. We haven't had a team in the championship since uh, A.J. Hill and DuCoin, right? That's correct. In 08, that was the last time. Anna Jonesboro was the last school to make us make it to the semifinals. That was two years ago. And they are unexpectedly routed by Pleasant Plains. I think the final score is something weird, like 40-2 to two in, the, in the 3A semifinals. Well, let's hope uh, Murphy and Nashville have a little better showing than that in the semifinals. But big games on uh, Saturday, and, and there's another one right here in Carbondale. Uh, SIU 7-4 and four, taking on number one North Dakota State, which is undefeated and has won 32 games in a row. They will match the FCS uh, record that they set uh, back in 2014 of 33 straight games if they can take down the Salukis. Uh, Salukis are, are playing for a playoff berth. Uh, some people think they may already be in with their seven wins, and that may be true. But I guarantee you, they'll be in if they get to eight. Yeah, if they that yeah, that, there's no way the committee can keep them out if, if they beat uh, North Dakota State. Um, the Salukis have had a remarkable turnaround the last uh, the last five weeks. They've they've won. They've essentially been in the playoffs for five weeks, and uh, right now they're five and zero oh in in postseason. Um, but there, if, if they lose, even if they, even if it's a, even if it's a barn burner that comes down to a last second field goal or a hail mary pass, their fate is still in the hands of the committee, and so nothing, nothing is written in stone. So obviously, uh, they want to, they obviously they want to go out and win, but if not, they certainly want to make a, a, a good showing of it, uh, and you know, if, if Evansville, if Evansville can go into. Uh, Kentucky and, and win there, you know, I, I guess it's not ridiculous to say that it's a game that SIU can win. Obviously, everything will have to come together and work in their favor. Um, but they've played some pretty good football down the stretch. We'll see. Yeah, one reason they're in this position is their defense has lived up to the expectations. They had uh, nine returning starters last year and set the school record for points allowed. So they've certainly turned that around this year with uh, coordinator Jason Petrino and 
Funny thing about Jason Petrino, he was on a South Dakota squad that beat North Dakota State a couple years ago. Uh, we don't have Darren Greenfield, but the Salukis do have some excellent defensive ends. Um, if they can find a way to Trey Lance and uh, score some points on on, uh, on offense, um, we'll, we'll see how they do. But they can't get embarrassed. I mean, I, I don't think that's going to happen. But this is probably the best offense that North Dakota State has had uh, in a long time. Uh, their quarterback is just a redshirt freshman, <laughs> but he is faster than probably anyone on SIU's team. And you watch him play. Um, he had a rollout, uh, escaped some pressure against Missouri State. Two guys were about to get tackle him about five yards from the line of scrimmage. And he didn't even look like he run fat, exerted any more uh, energy. And he sped between them and, and went to the end zone and wasn't touched. Wow. Well... Here's the thing you have to remember if you're SIU, Saturday. You're not going to be perfect in this game. Football's not a game of perfect. You know, the 72 Dolphins probably weren't perfect every week when they went 17-0. The point is, you don't have to play the mistake-free game, but you have to play a really good game. North Dakota State probably has to mix in a couple of mistakes here and there, and there's no question about it. But why wouldn't you feel like you have at least have a chance when you've won five in a row, you're 7-4, and four, you have one of the only three FBS wins that an FCS school has all year, I would say they're playing of house money, except we don't know for sure that 7-5 and five is going to get them in, so there probably is a certain amount of pressure. I'm just saying they don't have to be perfect to win this game. And uh, you, Todd, mentioned earlier about not being embarrassed. And a couple of years ago, that, that could have happened because of the way that SIU approached the offensive game. Uh, they have so much more balance now between running and passing the ball where – Two or three years ago, they they would have a lot of three and outs where only thirty seconds would would go off the clock. But now, even if even if even if uh, even if they go three and out, two of the plays are likely to be running plays. That you know you're not going to be giving the ball back immediately. And, and they have done a really good job of keeping in front of the keeping in front of the chains this year. Just just moving moving the ball, uh, you know, ten yards at a time, ten yards at a time. And when you're when you're not given when you're not keeping your defense on the field. Constantly, that that just doesn't that, that doesn't lend itself to blowouts. Yeah, and, and plus, as you said, the running game. They've relied on their running game. They've actually used it to control the clock the last two weeks. Uh, that's what they're going to have to do on Saturday. And uh, Saluki basketball back in action I, I tonight. Just, I just wanted to mention one more thing about Saluki football team. Uh, they have the they have an excellent opportunity to have uh, two thousand yard rushers this year. DJ Davis is at 969, I believe. So he needs uh, he needs 31 yards, and I believe Javon Williams needs 69. Now they're going to have to do it against a damn good football team. Yeah. So if they both get there, they both earn it. But I I don't remember in recent memory any time that the Slukies had 2,000 yard rushers. Yeah, even in 04, uh, Archie Whitlock and Brandon Jacobs, they did not have a 1,000 yard rusher because both of them had about 900. At the, and that yeah. was at the end of the year. Right. They played one or two playoff games that right. year. So, so that's, pretty, that's pretty phenomenal. Uh, they have, they'll certainly get their chances uh, a Saturday uh, to get those in. Hell, they could get those in two plays. Well, yeah, right. I mean, you, yeah, know? <laughs> you know, seriously, both of them are, are one big play away from. That'd be exciting. So. I'll have to look up see the last time that was ha- that happened, or if it's ever happened. Um, Saluki basketball back in action tonight at Murray State. Uh, that's going to be a tough draw for them. Really good guards for Murray State. They've played three games. Uh, their only loss is to Tennessee. They beat one non-division one. Um, put up 114 points on them, but beat them 114 to 48. 
Uh, Salukis could use a little bounce back, but this will be a, a tough task for them. And then the women are taking on Memphis uh, at noon, uh, Wednesday at the Banteras Center. And I think they're off the rest of the week. Are they not after this game? I believe so. I, I think was, they're off until next week. Yeah, Memphis comes in one and three, but uh, two of their losses are by uh, three points or less. Uh, very, very quick, very athletic. Uh, got a 6'4 center. Uh, the, the, their numbers are kind of astounding. They're only shooting 37% from the floor, but they're holding opponents to 37% shooting. Uh, Memphis turns the ball over an average of 20 times a game, but they're forcing 20 turnovers a game. So uh, uh, wow. they, they they play a pretty a pretty fast up tempo game, and uh, you know SIU has won the last two. I think the series is uh, Memphis holds a huge lead in the series, but SIU has won the last two games. So it's a wonderful game, especially at home. It's uh, it's uh, the uh, field trip day. So if you mm-hmm. come, bring your uh, Bring your ear earplugs because there's going to be a couple thousand kids screaming around. Are you going to have to hear Baby Shark? <laughs> quite possibly, yes. Quite possibly. If, if you can hear over the noise, if you can hear over the noise. So. Or Sponge, SpongeBob SquarePants and you, from back in the day. And there will be there will be more Pepsi sloshed around the uh, Banterra Center on uh, tomorrow afternoon than probably the rest of the season combined. So there'll be a sugar high, if nothing else. Uh, should be a great game, great environment uh, for the Slooky women. And um, uh, the other the other big news really is um, Saluki football. The selection show is on Sunday, uh, 11:30 on ESPNU. Uh, win or lose this weekend, we'll see if the Salukis make it in. They haven't been in the playoffs in 10 years. Um, and then high school girls basketball is going. High school boys started last night. Actually, uh, covered a couple games at the Lady Cat Classic at Marion. Mm-hmm. Viana hit 10 three pointers in the first game. Blitzed Marion by 29. Vinyl looks like it'll be good again this year. Massac County won a defensive struggle against Terran 34-28 in Justin Kendall's first game as its coach. We'll get to see the new Hamilton County team tonight, minus two or three really good players from a 31 team that won a regional last year. See them tonight against Terran at 530. So that will be going on all week over at Marion along with a few other tournaments. Tipping off, and then the boys' season starts next Monday. Who do you think the last be, uh, be the last uh, boys' team standing this year? Pinkneyville should be pretty good, Pinkneyville, right? Pinkneyville should be pretty good. Nashville will be good again. I think those are probably your two best teams in the area. Marion should be good if Jackson Connors return. Rayshon Bardo, who's only a sophomore, is back at Marion as well. They should have a pretty solid team this year. Yeah, I think Benton is going to be kind of a sleeper. They got some people back, plus they got Reese Johnson uh, transferred in. You might remember his dad, Benji Johnson, was a, a – a pretty doggone good uh, high school athlete, a high jumper, as well as a pretty good basketball player. Um, yeah, there's. Uh, I think there's going to be a, a wealth of, of pretty good basketball teams in in Southern Illinois uh, this year. I think maybe more balanced than we've seen in the last couple of years. And one more thing about girls basketball. The preview I did this morning on Sir Mississippi, we're going to have four pretty good teams in that league this year. Carnival's won consecutive uh, regionals. Janiah Thompson signed a fellow sh- uh, with the SIU last week. Um, you're going to have Nashville, which is always pretty good. Pinckneyville has its best player back after she ripped her ACL last year. And Anna Jonesboro has three starters back from a 23-win team. So four really good teams in that league. Yeah, if you haven't seen Carterville play, they're, they're, they are really a nice high school basketball team. Uh, 
Janiah Thompson. Who's, yeah, who's going to SIU. Yeah, she's, she's a nice player. She's 5'9", and she's she has to play inside quite a bit at Carterville, but she's the kind of kid that she can rip a – if she rips a rebound down and uh, the, the middle of the floor is uh, – Open. She'll take it. She'll take it the distance and, and finish on the other end. Um, the Crane girl is is a wonderful athlete. Um, um, Megan Barton. Megan Barton is a, is a great athlete. So they're 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 athletic. They're fun to watch. I saw Goreville won really big again last night. So they have Peyton Sobchak back. As I recall, she was one of the better players in the area last year. They have good athletes all around that program as usual. Their their battles with Fianna twice a year are always fun to watch. Let's tell people what, what they can expect. We're not doing a basketball preview ish, issue. Oh. We're just doing a conference a day, pretty much. We're, yeah, we're doing. A, uh, this week we're running a, a, every every day. We'll run one or two girls conferences this week. Just taking an overall look at the conference, who the better players are. Uh, you know, kind of breaking down uh, who's the favorite in the conference, and then next week with the boys, uh, the boys uh, begin playing next Monday night, and we'll do this, the same thing with the boys next week. And also next week, uh, all our fall players of the year, with the possible exception of football, because football mm-hmm. may not be over yet. So. Yeah, we may have to wait to December to yeah. unveil our football player of the year, and that is still up in the air as That's, to who's going to win it right now. Exactly. So. There's a lot of good candidates. But, uh, yeah, um, yeah all, we'll have all the uh, players of the year next week. Would be, uh, it'll be soccer, boys and girls golf, boys and girls cross country, and volleyball and football when football eventually is over. <laughs> Uh, we'll support your uh, local sports teams, and uh, to subscribe to the Southern Illinoisan, go to thesouthern.com or call 618-529-5454. Uh, thanks for joining us for the podcast. We will talk to you next week.